If you'd make your way forward here for your lesson, and those who are three, four, and five-year-olds, if you make your way to the back, you'll meet your teacher there to, to go down. Uh, that was our VBS this week, and it was excellent. And I, I just want to say, you know, to all those who had part in that, uh, even, even the group that helped get the, the yard ready, taking the pile down and everything, and then the teachers, uh, the food providers, snackers, the recreation people, we had people... I tell you, it was a great week, and I'm exhausted. And I didn't have to do a lot that, that everybody else had to do. But the heat combined with lots of kids, it was fun, but it was well worth it. And so thank you to everybody who was, uh, who was absolutely a part of that. Best thing, best thing of that, there was uh, Second Missionary Baptist Church. There was Living Word Church. There was Elevation Church, a Hispanic church here in town. There was uh, Flint Hills Church. There was Legacy Church, and there was First Christian Church, who combined as one community of believers in Jesus Christ to be an influence on, on our kids. And so we had, probably every night we had 200 mixed with all the sponsors, volunteers, and our kids together. That was a big part of that. It's what? Vertical, Vertical Church. What did I say? Uh, that's what I said. Uh, vertical church. <laughs> Eric, Eric has a, a, a great response. One of his job descriptions is to correct Ronnie. So, and he does a fine job. Love that guy. Anyway, um, uh, we, we've been going through the book of Ruth. And, and it is summertime. Is it, is it a blur to everybody else this summer? And, and the busyness and, and oh man, man. And I, uh, we're praying to make it through. We're halfway there. We're halfway there. And I know for some teachers, they're gearing up because your, your time starts here pretty quick. Isn't that right? Like within a week or two. Is that right? And so we're, we're praying you up. But uh, we, we still have some summer left and, and want you to take advantage of that. This book of Ruth has been, I, I enjoy going through these books and taking time to, to study and prepare and, and things like that. I hope you've had time to read through it. And, and possibly that you're, you're beginning to see the significance of this story as we're going through. The way I've chosen to go through this is to deal with each of the characters within this story. So far we've de dealt with Naomi, uh, you know, the mom who went in and who lost her husband, who lost both her sons, and was left with two uh, daughters-in-law. These three uh, widow ladies. Ladies were a big part of that first chapter. Uh, the second chapter, which we dealt with last week, uh, we, we actually talked about God and his part in this. There is no thus saith the Lord. There is no absolute miracle that takes place that, oh, we know that God's involved. Actually, it is just God directing history. God involved in this story, even though we don't see those things. And, and so that's significant. That was significant last week to talk about that. Well, we stepped to the next character this morning, which, which actually we were introduced to last week, and his name is Boaz, and he's an important figure. Last week, we saw Boaz in his meeting this Moabite lady, Ruth. Okay, in, in that story, just to remind you, uh, Ruth, after just coming new uh, back into Bethlehem, went out to, to glean in the field. You know, here's, here's a couple of widow ladies who, who were in need. So Ruth said, I'm going to go out, I'm going to glean a field, get some grain for us. And so 
Naomi said, go ahead. So she goes out into the field and begins to glean. So happens to be the field of Boaz, who is actually relation to uh, Elimelech, uh, who, who is Naomi's deceased husband. And so she goes out and she begins to glean, not knowing whose field it was, but Boaz shows up and they have this meeting. Uh, he, he's introduced to her and, and, and he already is, is showing her favor. And she says, well, what have I done to deserve such, uh, such kindness? And Boaz says, because of the kindness that you've shown uh, to Naomi. To, to make such a grand commitment. Matter of fact, he even says, because you chose to, to turn your back on your own people. Uh, you chose your, your, uh, to, to turn your back on your own people and, and, and their God. And you chose you know, our people. You chose to be amongst Israelites. And you chose our God. And, and that was obvious in her commitment. So he was praising her. And then she praised him back because of his generosity. Hey, come back and glean in my field. Matter of fact, they even instructed for, for workers to lay stocks out so she could glean. She ended up with 30 pounds in that day. She took home uh, 30 pounds of, of barley. And so when she took it home that night there in chapter 2, Naomi was impressed and said, well, where did you go? Well, it was uh, to the field of Boaz. And she said, oh, and she mentions this word. She mentions this word. Oh, he is, he's one of our kinsmen redeemers or guardian redeemers, as we'll see in, in uh, the NIV. We'll talk about that specifically today. But, but the story goes on that, that she continues to go back to that field and continues gleaning out of Boaz's field. And I believe it, 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 it's got to be towards the end of the harvest. This is one of the reasons why they say that Boaz is actually sleeping you know, there at the threshing floor. Uh, thinking that, that maybe a celebration of the end of harvest was taking place or, or something like that. Anyway, Ruth begins to plot. Okay, she plots at the beginning of chapter 3. She tells, she tells Ruth, Ruth, go wash yourself. Go clean up. And, and not just that, but let's put some, some nice smelly stuff on you. You know, some perfume on you. And, and you go, you know, basically in, in Ronnie's terms, it would be doll yourself up. And, and you go to, to his field at night, in the darkness of night, and, and you go to Boaz where he is sleeping, and you uncover his feet, and you lay there at his feet. And you're thinking, what's that all about? Well, if, if anything, the best way I could put, you, uh, put that to you is this is, this is uh, Ruth's proposal to Boaz. Actually calling him to act out that uh, kinsman redeemer. She's asking him to call it out. Here's, here's what happened. Up, up until then, here's the passage I'd like to read for you. Picking up on verse 9. This, of course, she goes and, and follows through. She dolls herself up. She goes to the field, to the threshing floor. Uh, uh, Boaz has, has laid down and fallen asleep. She comes up without disturbing him, uncovers his feet and lays there at his feet. And, and here's where I pick up, verse 9. Who are you, he asked. I am your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This 
kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night. And in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good. Let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. The story goes on. Uh, and, and we'll even talk a little bit about Actually, chapter 4. Let me, let me tell you what comes up in chapter 4 without reading it. He goes to Bethlehem. And in the gate area, that's where judgments and, and discussions, things take place. Official, uh, official actions even take place. And, and there Boaz waits at the gate until the, this relative of his, who would actually be a guardian redeemer, that, there's that word again, uh, who, who is closer related to Limelech than, than he himself was, until he came to the gate, and then there were, there were some elders from, from that community that joined to be witnesses of this transaction. Boaz asked him, okay, do you want this field? And the guy said, yeah, I'll, I'll take the field, which was the field that belonged to Limelech who had died. And, and then he said, okay, well, if you take the field, you also, as, a, as a kinsman redeemer, you also need to take his, his wife to be a kinsman redeemer. And he said, well, oh, by the way, no, I can't do that. So, so Boaz then took that responsibility, took Ruth as his wife, purchased the field from Naomi, and the story goes on from there. We'll, we'll you know, conclude it this next week because there's one more character we're actually going to deal with. Here, here's what I want to share with you this morning. We're thinking about Boaz and, and Boaz... Within this story, all that we can know from him is within this story. We see him as a God who's just a God-honoring man. Here's a God-honoring man. And, and that actually, I, I see a little conflict with the character of Boaz with what it describes at the end of Judges. This, this time, this time of Boaz and Ruth, I just want to remind you, is taking place during the time of the Judges. Remember the time of the Judges? Sin... You know, God's punishment, uh, repentance, restored, sin, and it was just continuous. Matter of fact, the last verse of the book of Judges, the very last verse, says that they had no king, the Israelites had no king, and everyone did, uh, did as they saw fit. Everyone did as they saw fit. Is, is there a problem with that statement? Maybe, maybe another translation said everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That was, that was kind of the, the overall look at Israel. The people of God, everybody did as they saw fit. I think there are some exceptions to that. We look through the book of Judges, we'll say God chose some people to, to be kind of a, a redeemer for the people, a, a being a judge or someone who come and, and remove them from the oppression. So judges were important. But also you come to this book of, of uh, uh, Ruth, and here Boaz is, is an outstanding man. He's a, he's a man of integrity. He's a man of righteousness. And, and what we could see in his word, he's a, he's a man who did not see as he saw fit, 
Matter of fact, what he chose to do was to, to live his life according to what God saw fit or what God ordained. So I, I think that's who you and I are. Right? When we're gathered here this morning, you know, perhaps that's set upon our heart. I want to live according to what God directs me to live. I, I want to live according to what God desires out of my life. I mean, that's, that ought to be who we are as a people. Desiring for my life to be honoring of God. And that was Boaz. I, I want us to look at some characteristics of Boaz that, that, that perhaps we could even emulate. Sometimes examples in, in Scripture, we say we see something about him. And, and so I'd like to share with you some of those things and then encourage us uh, perhaps to do the same. First of all, we are to live in honoring obedience to God. That's, that really is simple. Uh, we're to live in art, uh, honoring obedience to God. And, and Boaz was a part of that because we see Boaz being obedient to what God said. Okay, what God established in his law. We see it in a couple examples within this scripture. Number one was that idea of allowing those who had need, those who were impoverished or, or those who were widows or even the foreigners would be able to, to come to his field where he did all the planting and growing of his crops and, and uh, he, would, he would allow them to come in and glean some that was either dropped on the ground or along the edge. And he was following what the scripture said. Leviticus 19, 9 and 10. Here's what he was following. He said, uh, God said and laid down for instruction for the care of his people. He says, when you reap the harvest of your land... Do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. He's saying, leave some behind. It's just an easy way, but he leaves some behind. Also, when it comes to your vineyard, do not go out uh, over your vineyard a second time to pick up the grapes that, that have fallen. Don't go back and gather up what, what was left behind or dropped on the ground. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. See, God, God in his word provided. He, his law was there to provide for his people and to help them to live in a community. It, it, it was laid out. It was, it was important. And Boaz paid attention to it. One reason we know he paid attention to it because as Ruth came, she began to glean in his field. And, and as he met her, you know, he even opened the doors wider for her to glean so much more because he appreciated her and, and, and uh, loved how she treated Naomi again. But, but at the beginning, he, he allowed her to come and glean. And, and, and we know that others did not all do the same because he warned her, said, you come back to my field. Don't go to another. And, and just in case, you know, you go to a field where they will assault you uh, they will cause you trouble and bring you evil. They'll toss you out. They weren't following according to God's laws. Some obviously were. Naomi also came along and said, yes, listen to what he says. Always go back to his field. So, so Boaz is seen as a man who's following after God's word. Also, let's talk about that, that guardian redeemer. I'm sure we have lots of questions. What is this guardian redeemer? That's a provision also laid out in God's law in order to, to, to be there to, to take care of the community of believers. This, this was in response to, to a family who, who didn't have opportunity to have children. Maybe, maybe a couple who was married, and perhaps the husband died uh, before they consummated and, and had a child. So that's the case we have here with Naomi and Ruth, a couple of, of widows. 
And, and so, uh, matter of fact, again, if we go back to thinking about Naomi, no, Naomi was in a sta- sad state because there was no one there to carry on the family. Neither one of her daughters-in-law had bore children, and so there was no inheritor of, of the land that she owned there that belonged to Limelech, her husband, who had died. And so, oh man, God's hand was against me. Remember that in chapter 1? God's hand is against me. She didn't see any way out of this trouble. But Ruth, and now Boaz. And, and, and I, I just have to believe that, that Naomi saw hope. You know, not, not just that Ruth followed, but now, oh, there is a kinsman redeemer. Uh, the way, uh, again, let me, let me tell you, it, it was played out in a couple places in the Old Testament. If, if, like, if I had an older brother, and he was married, and he had died and did not provide a child, then it would be my responsibility to go and be with my sister-in-law in order for her to have a child. She would bear a child. That would be my brother's child. Not my child. That would then be my, my brother's child. And, and he would inherit all that belonged to his family. So Boaz, if Boaz then becomes the kinsman redeemer and takes Ruth and, and has a child, the first child would be Milan's child and would inherit that property. What, what we see, matter of fact, let me, let me tell you, scriptures, I'm not going to read it all for you, but it was laid out in, in, in God's law to provide for families who would have such tragedies. Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 10. That, that, that is actually the Leverite marriage. That's, that's this taking, uh, taking my sister-in-law in order for her to, to perpetuate that family, to continue that family. Uh, Leviticus 25, 25 through 28 actually talks about that redeeming property that belonged to the family. And if there wasn't going to be an heir... Uh, there, was, there was this idea of being able to purchase property in order that it could be redeemed back and given back to that family. And so we see actually in chapter 4, uh, Boaz fulfilling both following God's word and, and through God's provision uh, to continue that family. Oh, rescuing, let's just put it, rescuing Naomi. And in the, in the deep, dark place she was in chapter 1. If you were with us, you, you saw that. Read chapter 1 if you want to see what I mean. Lost her husband, lost her sons. Oh, woe is me. God's hand is against me. Man, it turned around after Boaz showed up and, and took his responsibility. Uh, this, this idea, Boaz obviously was following through with what Psalm 119, verse 105. He valued God's law, God's word. In that word, it says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Uh, God's word was giving Boaz direction for how he conducted himself in the community, how he lived his life. He looked to be honoring of God, and it affected everybody around him. It affected, it affected his relatives. It affected Naomi. It affected his sir. It, it, the way he conducted himself was a benefit, not just... Uh, for himself, it, it, it was really a benefit for those around him. And, and that's how God worked through his law. It was important. You know, we, we ourselves, we are people of the word. Yeah, it, I mean, here at First Christian Church, that is, that is one of the messages you're going to continue to get. We want you to love his word. 
And in loving, loving his word, what do we mean? We want you to get to know it. We don't, we don't want you to just be acquainted with the scriptures on Sunday. How are we doing? Is, is Sunday, is this the only time that, that you hear about his word? We want you to get into it Monday through Saturday. I think Bible reading or, or, or some, uh, uh, some getting into the word ought to happen every day. It ought to happen every day. If, if you are God's person and you want to know him, know his word. And, and in the process of knowing his word, live it. Right? Know it, live it. I think, I think Boaz is an encouragement for us to do that. The second point I think is so, so valuable. The point is this. I want to make out of this. It is the spirit of God's law reveals mercy and love. And it's very much connected to this idea of the word. Matter of fact, in this scripture, uh, just talking about how, oh, he valued God's scripture. But what about the fact that he's going to now marry, uh, marry Ruth? Anybody see conflict with that? Remember, Ruth is a Moabite. Do, do, do you understand where the conflict is at? The, the fact that Ruth is a Moabite. And in the law, it said, God said, don't do that. Don't, don't marry uh, anyone from another nation. Matter of fact, let me read the scripture where one, one place. It says it in a number of places. And, and matter of fact, this problem was one of the greatest problems Israel had. It was part of their, uh, their, their decline. Uh, how they turned their backs upon God is they continued to marry uh, foreign women and brought them in. And guess what they brought with them? Other gods. They brought other gods with them. So the, the, that's the reason for this law. Uh, matter of fact, uh, where they moved, they were surrounded by other nations. Hittites, Gergesites, Amber. I, don't you, I just love to say these names. So I'm going to say them. Canaanites, Perizzites. Perizzites, isn't that fun? Hit, Hivites and Jebusites. There was also the Amorites, uh, Ammonites, and the Moabites who were also uh, cursed by God for many generations because of, of their standing up against Israel. And here she is, a Moabite. And, and what he said in the scripture is, do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons and, and, or take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods. The underlying reason for it is they are going to turn, uh, they're, they're going to turn you against your God. They're going to turn you against me. And, and so there was, that was the underlying reason. Well, what was the problem? Why didn't he obey that passage of Scripture? I, I think throughout the story you could tell why. First of all, it's that commitment he established with, uh, uh, with Naomi in, in the first chapter. What did, what did she say? What did she, she say? Your people are going to be my people. Those Israelites, they're going to be my people. Your God, my God. Which means absolutely she was turning her back upon the Moabites. She was turning her back on her family. She was turning her back upon the God Shemash, who is the Moabite God. She said, your God is going to be my God. And, and that was, that was the, and she was living her commitment. And, and, and Boaz saw that. So, so what was, oh man, no, I have to obey this law. But here's a woman who, let me, let me go to the passage we just read today. This is, this is significant because in verse 10 of chapter 3, 
He said, greater kindness that you had shown than you had shown earlier. Oh, he praised her earlier because you made this commitment to Naomi and all the things you've done to Naomi. Now you come to me at night, uncover my feet, and calling me out to be that kinsman redeemer. This is a greater kind. He's not excited. He's, oh, yeah, you want to be my wife? I'll do that. And that would make the romantic story. But what he was saying is this. Because later on he says, hey, you could have gone after the young men. You could have gone after the young men, whether rich or poor. You could have gone after some your own age. Uh, okay, let's not real romantic because Boaz is, is quite a bit older. I, I mean, even think he might have been more around the range, uh, age range of, of Elimelech, uh, her father-in-law. And, and so here's an older man. She went to him because he is the kinsman redeemer. Why? Why? Because that... Through him, he, uh, through him, she is going to be able to provide an heir for Naomi. She is going to be able to provide an heir for Naomi. Do you understand that? Do you, you see that? Uh, she, she's going to be able to give Naomi that grandson or that grandchild who's going to be uh, able to, to receive the inheritance. And, and so that is where Ruth's heart is. And, and, he is, and that's why he says, oh, this is, this is greater than you did before. That you would, you would go to this place of complete... Actually, it is a, it is a sacrifice. Or it's, it's not her will. It's not her wants. It's definitely Naomi's. It was, it, was a, it was actually all for Naomi that she had done this. To me, that's amazing. This story is amazing. You know, you read through the book and you're just thinking, wow, you know, this romance story between Boaz and, and Ruth. Woohoo! And it's, it's good stuff. But the real romance, what romance is going on except for a couple people who are looking to honor God with their lives? They're, they're looking to be honoring of God. What an example for us. That I'm going to do some things that the world is going to say, oh, are you, why don't you go do what you want to do or, or choose something that would, I mean, the rest of the world would. But instead, the things that you're choosing seems to be so contrary because it's honoring of God. Because it's, it's absolutely honoring of God. Now, in other places, matter of fact, one, a good example of, of man, it's, it's not about the legalistic way we look at the scriptures. Because all the scriptures were written uh, from, from God's love and perspective of this is how you ought to live. This is how you love one another. Matter of fact, he set that precedent in the New Testament after Jesus came and died for us. We, we live by his grace and mercy. And the greatest commandment is to do what? Love our neighbors and love God above everything else. And that ought to, that ought to, to uh guide us or that ought to be the precedent that guides us in how we ought to live our lives there were there were those in in matthew i think it was matthew 12 where the disciples were out gleaning on the on the uh on the sabbath day in order for them to to eat the grain and the the, the pharisees those who were so wrapped up in oh the law the law the law came along and said well look what they're doing don't you know that they're breaking the sabbath here they're they're harvesting and, and Jesus looked at him and said, man, don't you remember the story of David in the Old Testament? Here's another case. David, you know, the great-grandson of Obed, uh, comes along and, and 
you know, he's hungry. His men are starving. He goes to the temple. He says, we need bread. We need bread. And he gives them the consecrated bread. Oh, man. And they ate it. And there was no condemnation upon David and the men. Well, where's, where's the law? You know, where's, where's the condemnation upon them? No. Matter of fact, Jesus finished that with this. Matthew 12 and verse 7. He says, if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the innocent. Why, why is Boaz okay in marrying this woman, uh, this, this woman Ruth? Because in some ways she was more Israelite or she was more a child of God than many of the Israelites around. Even the community saw her as a noble woman in the way she acted, devoted to Naomi's people. I mean, yeah, Naomi's people, devoted to Naomi's God. Naomi's God became her God. One, one last thing I'd like to share with you this, this morning. Uh, final characteristic, living God's way reveals within us his loving kindness. It, it continues on with that mercy. Uh, but, but especially I was focused and didn't want to put this in the point, but this is, this is Boaz's hesed. Hesed is that Hebrew term that if you've been with us, I I keep on talking about it. This is the hard to define into English word we find in the Old Testament. It identified Naomi. Naomi in the way that she had a loving kindness towards her daughter-in-laws when she said, hey, you you girls go home. You go because that's going to be the best way to provide. Or uh, it it was in Ruth, definitely when she laid out that commitment your people, my people, your God, my God. Where you go, I'm going to go. Where you die, I'm going to die. Where you're buried, I'm going to be buried. And she left everything behind. That was that Hesed. It was a loyal, loving commitment that she established. And what I brought up last week is, is exactly the way that God approaches us. His loyalty. Matter of fact, his mercy and his patience with us is so obvious. That's how God has approached us. And he's what, it's what he wants out of us. And it's what we also see in Boaz. The generosity, the care he has, and willing to step up to be that kinsman redeemer on behalf of the people. It's the same thing he desires out of you and I. Loyal commitment. Everyday commitment. How do, we, how do I live with people around me? It's with a loyal commitment to God. Treating others the way that, that, that Christ treated people. The way that, that you would want to be treated, is, as Jesus would say. Treat others as you'd want to be treated, right? That my relationship with God, a loyal, focused commitment to Him, is going to be spread to the people that I work with, that I live with, and, and, and that, that are around me in my neighborhood. It's not what I'm able of, uh, capable of doing, but through Christ. What we received in God's hesed and what he's given to us, we're able to do that through Jesus Christ, a love that I, I think that I'm incapable of. But through Christ, man, I'm growing into more every day. Learning to love, learning to, to appreciate, learning to spread a love that Jesus said, you know, spread the light, spread the salt. Or be the light, be the salt. I think, man, the essence of that is exactly how God has been dealing with us. 
that we now live according to that mercy, that grace in this life. How are we doing? <laughs> how are we doing in every day? How, how was your week? This week, you know, a number of you were part of VBS and you got to, you got to, that loving commitment was revealed in, in, in some of the things you did and helping put together meals and teaching and, and being parts of just loving those kids throughout this week. Those kids had the opportunity to see that working in them. And, and some of you, the rest of you, you know, you had the opportunity to work or in your neighborhood and you were out doing that, living it, and, and, and being God's child, identified through his love, his compassion, his mercy. Right? Oh, Boaz, Boaz is a great example for us. And let me just encourage you again. It, it means if, if we're going to be honoring of God, it is to get into his word. Is to love his word and, and to follow it, live it. Not just learn it, but to live his word. Put it into practice. And, and, and not, not just his word, not to become legalistic, but man, how important it is to live his mercy. To live, his, live our lives in his mercy. And then finally, to come into that, that loving commitment. That loyal, loving commitment that we see uh, in, in each of the people throughout this, this book. We have one more we're going to do next week. Uh, his, his name is, oh, good grief. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's Obed, their, their child. So there, there's some things at the end I thought we'd better close with him. So one more character uh, that we're going to share next week. Hopefully this is an encouragement, this book of Ruth. I encourage you to read this story again and, and pick up some of the details in there. If you have questions anytime, please let me know. In the meantime, let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for Jesus. We praise you that Jesus ultimately is our redeemer who buys us back in our, uh, in our despair, in our brokenness, in our sinfulness. We ask, Father, that you strengthen us always in your word. Help us to, to not only know and, and, and gather facts, but, Lord, to be able to, to be um, convicted of your word, to be challenged by your word, to, to learn and encouraged by your word. And then, Father, through all that, to live uh, our lives according to what you say and the direction you give. The world, Lord, is a mess. And when it comes to direction, Lord, it goes all kinds of directions. But, Father, we choose to follow after you. So, Lord, make, make your word grow and, and make it alive in us. God, we praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.